Good day, fellow hoteliers, and welcome to episode 237 of the Hotel Marketing Podcast. And thank you for taking the time out of your busy commute, your workout, your lunch break, or where it is that you're listening today. I'm your host, Pete DeMello Travel Boom. Now let's go ahead and start this episode. back online. So we're switching up a little bit that intro. I didn't want to surprise people with the music after the intro and see how that works. So if you like it, let us know, share some comments. We definitely appreciate it. Now it's a little bit cliche to say that we've got a big episode today, but we really do. We have a really big, big episode today because it is just not me talking to you today. You get to have a little bit of variety in your ears because we have both Ken Reed and who's a president and Rob Langenbach, COO of 802 Marketing. So guys, how are you doing today? Excellent. Thanks doing so much for having Pete. us. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Pete. Awesome. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, th- thank you guys so much. Uh, you know, so yeah, I kind of put a little bio together for for who 802 is, and I said, you know, 802 is it's a powerhouse search marketing firm with over 15 years of experience helping major brands. You have Orvis, Geniverse, RBX, and a ton of others all succeed through really forward thinking search marketing and search optimization strategies. But I would love it if you could kind of tell us a little bit about what it is that uh, that makes you uh, magic. Uh, thanks, you nailed it. I think the, um, uh, the 15 years of experience really is uh, what we're all about. And, and I think it's gonna be very relevant to the conversation today. Uh, the search landscape evolves week to week, month to month. And sometimes there are small changes and you have to react to those. And sometimes there are massive changes. And we've been very fortunate in our partners and our, our strong team um, that uh, we've, we've got very hungry folks that like to stay on top of search trends and like to experiment and find what works and, and uh, not just follow best practice, but in some ways define best practice as, as change happens. Perfect. That's a way better than I could have ever said it. Okay. And yeah, so in addition to obviously having Ken and Rob on the, on the show, we have Returning for us for yet another episode is Jeremy the Bazooka Razook. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? Doing pretty good. It's so, good to be back. Hey, everybody. Yeah, absolutely. So everybody knows that Jeremy's our in-house search marketing guru, and he's got a lot of a lot of insights into what we're going to be talking about today because it is all about search marketing and to kind of set the stage for today. So we've heard a ton of things about. ChatGPT, Microsoft's integration with AI into their search results. But there's been one big player in the marketing space that's been quiet, and that's Google. And that's not like Google. Google's usually pretty loud, and you know they're the 800-pound gorilla, and they like to stomp their feet like they are. Microsoft has had a great first-mover advantage in the space of AI and chat. However, that's starting to change. You know, Even though we saw that Microsoft's share of search did increase, Google's coming in hard. They're coming in with you know, a big bullseye on Microsoft, and it's going to be an interesting discussion today. So that's what we're going to be talking about. So kind of to go from that point on, uh, if you guys want, uh, Ken or Rob, jump in. Tell us a little bit about what Google's working on initially with BARD and how that's going to evolve into the big topic today, which is Project Magi. Yeah, I think it's really interesting topic because what you have is sort of a PR 
uh, circus, so to speak. You have um, uh, OpenAI and ChatGPT that that surprised everybody, and 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 um, uh, you know was sort of the first to roll out a really impressive, exciting AI tool, a platform that everybody could use and everybody could get familiar with. It's you know first to market is is part of. Uh, you know what what's defining this whole thing and so everybody's going to now compare ai developments and 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 search to what bing has already done and and, and chat gpt um is not a search engine chat gpt is a large language model and it's it's got access to a lot of information and so it can be incorporated into the search to assist but what i think happened is that google was surprised and caught out a little bit that that Microsoft came out first and did this. And so they went very quickly out with BARD. Uh, and probably lots of folks have heard, you know, heard, heard or seen the news about, you know, uh, when they launched BARD at the PR event, uh, BARD was getting things wrong. Um, and that's pretty embarrassing if you're meant to be the most credible search engine, uh, one of the biggest tech companies in the world. So um, they went quiet for several weeks. Um, and then about two or three weeks ago came out and said, you know what, we're changing the whole game. Uh, we're gonna change the platform. Um, we have uh, what's called Project Magi uh, that we're gonna be releasing. Uh, we have 160 Googlers, Google engineers working on it. Um, and it's going to be incorporated into search in, in a new and exciting way. And it's gonna, it's gonna change not only the technology, but the way search results are delivered and so um, I, I think the, the piece that we have to keep an eye on or, or understand as marketers is that all we can do is speculate right now because we know that Google reacted to something that somebody else did better. They came out with their version. It didn't impress anybody, so they went quiet. And now it's sort of like uh, you know, they're, they're trying to dazzle folks with a lot of uh, potential things coming. So, so then I have to ask you this because... Obviously, uh, ChatGPT, OpenAI have had years of you know, experience, you know, getting the balls up and uh, up and rolling. You're going through several iterations of GPT. How did Google screw up so bad with the Bard launch? I mean, that kind of goes back to uh, you know old school Google, where they made a couple you know missteps early on in the the hotel space. How could they have done that? You know, it's like. Um... If you're if you're the, the the biggest car company in the world and Tesla pops up and says, "Hey, we've got we've got an electric vehicle," um, and everybody else doesn't, they're going to rush to get theirs out as well. And I think that's a lot of what what's happening here is is you know, me too, me too, um, Rob. I don't know if you have thoughts about that, but it feels to me like they were they were not ready and now have to be ready um, for the sake of their their credibility and their brand. Yeah, absolutely. I think they definitely rushed to market probably sooner than they would have if it hadn't been for Chad GPT. So I do know that it seems like they're making some quick progress. I know they uh, made some updates recently. They've also rolled BART out to everyone now. So I think they got rid of the wait list on that. So I think that's, you know, we definitely see a lot of effort being put in by Google. So and certainly how quickly we've seen some even Chad GPT improve in the last few months. I, you know, I, I certainly expect to see Bard catch up pretty quickly. And I think a few months from now, things are going to look uh, quite a bit different than they did a few months ago. 
Interesting. Yeah, I just know looking at terms of you know, traffic and whatnot that ChatGPT has really seen their, you know, they had a meteorotic rise when they first came out. Yeah. Everybody was checking out. It was the, the only thing that people wanted to do when they got to their machine in the morning. <laughs> yeah. But we started to see that flatline a little bit where I think the, the early adopters, the people who were curious have used the platform. Either they're just using an ongoing basis, but you're not having a rush of new people come in. And that may work well to, to Google's benefit, but just like people say, hey, go ahead and Google it, people are starting to think of chat GPT as AI. And that's going to be one of those hurdles I think Google's going to have to get over and remind people, no, you tell people you Google something, you're not going to GPT it or anything like that. Well, a couple of things that Google has to be afraid about right now um, is that for the first time in many, many years, being acquired more users. Um, I'm not positive, maybe Robbie, of the numbers, but but there was a, a you know, Google has had 90% of search market share, give or take, uh, for many years, and all of a sudden, it's it's not um, such a you know, uh, it, no no one's been worried about Google getting dethroned, and then all of a sudden, you have you have Bing uh, making lots of noise, and now Samsung has their contract for their phones uh, with Google and it's up for renewal. And I think they've threatened um, to uh, consider Microsoft. And that's a big, big loss of revenue for Google. I think it was $3 billion. And then iPhone is also coming up soon. I think that's closer to $20 billion in revenue for Google uh, that's at, at stake. And so when we talk about the urgency to react to chat GPT and, and Bing, there's, there's a ton of pressure. And that's why I think we have this, this sort of media event where I, uh, they're certainly working on it, but I think there's, uh, there's, there's more, um, they were looking to dazzle with their announcement and they did for sure. Mm -hmm. So, so that's, yeah. that's interesting because, you know, I'm the, I'm old, I guess at this point, but I remember when Netscape was the, the, the search and that was what you used. And then overnight, Google appeared and everything else became obsolete. And I don't know that they were, you know, sitting back and resting on their laurels at all, but, you know, technology changes and whatnot. And seeing how Google adapts to that is going to be key because so much of the market does not go in and proactively change their search settings on their devices. I mean, Samsung owns the Android market. Obviously, Apple owns the, the iPhone market. So that's, that goes without saying, but for them to lose that, would be catastrophic. Yeah. And there's no question Google's been working on AI this whole time. There's been teams of folks for years and years. Um, and by the way, large language models are not new. Um, we've been talking to folks in the SEO game for five or six years now about Jasper and other tools that will help you write content. Um, it's just, it's advanced quite a lot recently. And mm -hmm. so um, I don't think Google's having to go from zero to 60 overnight. It's, you know, Maybe they're already in the slow lane and they're just trying to catch up, but um, <laughs> there's, um, yeah, there's, there's a ton of pressure for sure. So, yeah, I mean, we have to, uh, we have to figure out what it all means. And, and as an SEO agency, uh, paid search agency, we have folks who are nervous and understandably so. We have advertisers who are saying, what do we do? How do we stay on top? How are we going to react? And, and the, the answer to that is we don't know until we see it. Um, we don't know if we're going to see it in a week or a month or a year. Um, but what I would... So let's take a step back from there, then, because obviously, kind of, we built into the point, we built up to this point that you know Google kind of had their oh shit type moment that they needed to do something. They already had things in the works, and 
they rolled out, had a little bit of a stumble, rolled out again, and you know more or less hit a home run. And that's where it kind of brings us for, to Project Magi. Uh, for the listeners who are not familiar at all with that, what is kind of like a, a top line overview of, of what Google's looking to do with, with what is Magi and how does that work within the search space? And is it an SEO thing or is it an SEM thing or is it just the overall search experience? I would say it's going to be that overall search experience. So, you know, everyone that goes to Google knows that it's changed quite a bit over the years. If you look at Google over the last, you know, 10 years, we have so many more elements integrated directly in there, in there, you know, from quick answers to, you know, more advertisements, uh, much more visual elements. So I think this is kind of them hitting reset to some degree where they can provide a whole different experience. So I think it's, there's going to be some similarities. You're going to have search ads, you're going to have organic listings, you're going to have, um, you know, much more visual elements, I would say. And a lot of those, I, I think we've seen Google test them in different spaces over the last couple of years. We see them kind of come and go. And it seems like when things work, they kind of roll it in for everything. Uh, but I also think there's going to be that component with, you know, some kind of AI, BARD or, or whatever they call, you know, call it eventually will be integrated. So there's, you know, there's some AI responses to your questions or whatever you're searching. And then there's going to be, you know, much different presentation for how things look in that SERP. So, um, so yeah, it'll be, you know, certainly going to be interesting to see. And I think the next couple of years, you know, uh, we're probably going to see some pretty big changes, but I think even looking back the last few years, we've seen a lot, especially when we look at mobile, for example, for certain types of search queries, different intents, what types of results surface, you know, even like I know in the hotel space, there's a lot more, you know, in like with your map listings and, and get a lot more information directly in that SERP before you have to click through. So um, I, I certainly would expect to see more of that as they integrate some, some of this AI. And it seems like, for, you know, looking at, you know, from a competitor perspective, Bing still seems to have their AI component siloed somewhat in terms of the, the results yes. where you have search results, but then you can also do this AI thing over here. It seems like Google's going to be more of a, everything is, is all together and it's just going to give you results in a very seamless mash, fashion, I guess. Well, I think there's also some some uh, speculation, and I think they've, they've sort of hinted at this, that Google's going to pre-qualify your queries a little bit more than they have in the past. So before you see results, you might be uh, shown visual cues, you might be asked follow-up questions. So if I say, for example, um, if, I, if I Google fishing tackle, Google might respond in that session are you interested in fly fishing or saltwater fishing, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and then start refining that query to help you get to what you want faster. And I think that's pretty exciting uh, for lots of different reasons. But yeah, they, I, uh, like Rob said, I think, I think the, uh, the, the 10 blue links will go away because they don't have to show different types of websites. You, by, by the time they're, they figured out what you're after, you're going to see all different types of relevant results to that query. That's, that's much more qualified now. Interesting. Cause I know that you mentioned it earlier where from the hotel perspective and, and you guys do some hotel, but you're mainly, you know, e-com lifestyle. Yeah, correct. Uh, you know, different brands like that. So, you know, from a hotel perspective, we've been fighting that battle for a long time because, 
you know, typically when you look at a hotel SERP, you have massive paid listings. You have price little bar that shows you the price trend. On the other side, you have your meta results and business listings. And then down there in the bottom corner of your screen is an organic result. So it, it kind of becomes, you got to play in that paid space, either through meta or through a traditional PPC type campaign to be above, you know, the quote unquote fold. So it'd, it'd be interesting to see how Google keeps changing that in, in what role that plays as those results get more granular based on those follow-up questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess you, you, with that, it seems like it's going to be completely integrated. Do we have any idea of when this whole shakeup's going to take place? No, but what we are telling our clients and our colleagues is don't panic um, because they can't change search overnight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they're the favorite search engine for a reason. As you, I remember searching on Netscape for you know months and years, and then Google came along and for whatever reason became the favored search engine. Um, but it, you know uh, the, the whimsy is gone. People are, are loyal to Google. Um, and they're used to the formats. They used to be the advertisers are used used to you know um, the ad platform. So if they come in and, and change everything overnight, I think that could be very very risky for an awful lot of uh, ad revenue that's on the table. Um, so yeah, we might hear more news very soon. You know, could be days or weeks. But um, to see a, a, a full complete rollout, I would be surprised if it's if it's you know. Uh, it's very soon. That's interesting. Uh, one of the, my favorite podcasts and person I just really look up to is Tim Peter with his podcast. And latest episode, he was talking a lot about Microsoft and Google and how Google is still an advertising company. Their revenues all come from ads. Mm-hmm. So anything they, they change impacts 90 plus percent of their annual revenues. Whereas with Microsoft, you have everything from cloud storage to 365 to their database platforms to their enterprise solutions. And Oh, by the way, there's also Bing in, in the ads over here. That's kind of, you know, their redheaded stepchild uh, and it's the opposite for Google. So it, that is interesting where Microsoft could be a little bit more nimble. And they got five yeah. the market share to risk, right? Instead of exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, so maybe being the, the small fish in the big pond is not always a bad thing for Microsoft. Mm-hmm. So. So you said not to worry, but I'm not taking that advice just yet. I need a, <laughs> I need some reassurances because because it does seem like it could really shake up from a hotel perspective how I I show in those results. Yeah. Uh, so so what what are some things that kind of can, can ease my mind a little bit about that? Are we a, are we worried more about more from a search perspective organically or more from a a paid perspective? Do you think? Well, I think one thing that that I always kind of go back to is, you know, everything that Google tells us is, you know, they want to surface high quality results, right? So the sites that are putting in that effort to get to put out high quality content, you know, images, video, whatever it is, you know, if Google does a good job, they're going to make sure that their users see that best information. So you know, that that's just a recurrent theme that they're constantly telling us with you know, pretty much any update that they happen. Um, the other thing too, I, I know the last week they announced they're going to make an update to their um, their helpful content algorithm. And really one of the big things with that, again, is, you know, trying to provide 
better content. I think one of the things they mentioned is trying to, you know, surface content that has a unique expertise or experience, um, or also just trying to find some hidden gems that are out there, right? Could be, you know, anything from, uh, you know, smaller sites or forums or, or really at the end of the day, just trying to, again, try to get better quality. And also I would say diversify the surf a little bit. So they have another one, I think, um, like a perspective filter that I can't recall if it's out yet or they're rolling out where you can get different perspectives on a topic or whatever your search may be. So I do think they're making a lot of effort to, you know, get that quality content out there. I would say from our experience, it's kind of hit or miss with some of these algo updates that they have where, you know, their goal might not actually be reality. We see it roll out. I think a good one is in, we see this a lot like in the review space, like they're trying like product reviews. They have a lot of product review updates on the e-commerce side where they're trying to get, you know, a review from someone that's really dealt with the product. They have it in their hands. They add unique images. They talk about how it worked well for them or not versus, you know, a lot of like affiliate sites, which just grab a bunch of Amazon reviews and pictures with the hope to make some affiliate commission there. Um, so I know that's, you know, kind of going outside this a little bit, but I, I do think it goes back to they're trying to adjust their algorithm to surface better quality. So, you know, our thing is always focused on providing, you know, good quality, you know, content information for your customers that is helpful not just for the sake of search. Now, obviously we want it to rank, but we also want it to be helpful for, you know, new and potential customers uh, that are out there as well. I would add to that. You had mentioned, that we're good. Sorry, Pete. I would, I would add to that, that, you know, um, 80% of uh, Google queries are informational. And so there's a little bit of fear of does Google start um, just giving that information without citing sources and without giving links to their sources. Um, and I would, I would say that that's not something to worry about because if, if you think about informational queries, there's three different types. There's factual, um, there's procedural, like how do I do something? And then there's conceptual, like what's the best way or, or what, you know, um, let's dive into this. And so factual content, if you're producing factual content for your blogs or, you know, yes, that'll be replaced, but you shouldn't really be doing that anyway. You should be providing uh, insightful content that is value adding and shows authority. And, and, and I think Google will always want to show that because it's, they, they don't want to match chat GPT and tell you, you know, factual answers and that's it. They, they want you to get the best, um, uh, highest and best answer related to your keyword intent. And I think that's what, um, that's where the advantage is. I think that's what's exciting about search. And so on the, um, on the SEO side, we might see that you have less traffic coming from organic search, but you're going to have higher quality traffic. So the folks that were meant to get there anyway are going to find their way there. Um, but as, as most advertisers and most marketers know, SEO traffic is a pretty mixed bag. You can have 100,000 sessions, and as a hotelier, you might get 100 reservations. If all of a sudden you have 1,000 sessions and you're still getting 100 reservations, that's, that, that's a win. Um, we're, mm -hmm. you know, we're uh, uh, just going to keep telling folks what we've always said is, is focus on high quality, qualitative content, conceptual content that, that really kind of proves to Google and to your visitors that you're an authority. So I think uh, SEO will be a bigger shakeup. And on the paid search side, um, what's wrong with having more qualified, 
queries and keyword intent before your ad shows, right? That's that's a very good thing. Well, and that's what I was wondering as well. I mean, you mentioned how they're trying to do a better job with qualifying intent and doing those pre-qualification questions. Obviously, we don't know how that UI is going to look. Do they see the questions before any results are returned or is it a mix of the two? Is there an opportunity for the smaller independent hoteliers and travel providers to get into those longer tail terms? Because in the past, if I look for hotels in Las Vegas, I'm getting TripAdvisor, I'm getting Expedia, Booking. I'm getting some of those very, very, you know, authoritative sources that are typically resellers for my property, which makes it more expensive for me. So do I have an opportunity now to build some great granular content? Um, You know, if you think about that, that query, yes, it'll, it'll be as difficult. I would imagine to rank for very high volume, uh, high value keywords like Las Vegas hotels. But if you can rank for um, best views of Red Rocks, in, in Vegas, for example, um, that's a that's a qualitative piece of information um, that you can rank for, and that still pre-qualifies your visitor as somebody who's interested in going to Vegas. So, uh, lots of different ways to that same customer without having to spend a fortune or try to rank number one for hotels Las Vegas, for example. And Jeremy, I know that that's you know something that you and I live and breathe in terms of our content generation strategies for clients. Yeah. We don't ever, or go ahead. Yeah. I mean, you know, we always tell our clients or we recommend, you know, if, especially with position zero and featured snippet opportunities, like those are huge. And, you know, if those opportunities exist, then that's what we want to go after those longer tail keywords. And, you know, this is what Magi seems to be pointing towards is um, longer tail searches. Um, If you can optimize for these types of keywords, these longer tail keywords and, take those featured snippet positions now, then, I mean, I speculating, I mean, I'd imagine it would be beneficial to you in the future, but um, even with our, with our clients in the past, when we have written content for position zero, and I know a lot of, and I'm sure like what Ken mentioned, um, you know, the different types of informational searches and, you know, these are a little more qualitative, more subjective um, type searches that people are searching for that we're writing about for hotel clients where it's more insightful and more opinionated. Um, we find that, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people have always been hesitant to write about featured snippets where we've seen it in the past about zero click searches. We've always seen tons of traffic whenever we are able to get those featured snippet positions. I mean, it's, it's just, it's very valuable. Um, those longer tail searches and yeah, I mean, it's, I would imagine that it would kind of go hand in hand with what's going on right now with Magi. Speculation. Well, you, know, you and I have you know, always worked with you know clients. I know one example in our Myrtle Beach client was Myrtle Beach or things to do on Myrtle Beach New Year's Eve. Very granular term that you know three hundred days, three hundred fifty days a year you don't care about. But because this one client of ours has this one article that we've gone in and refreshed year after year after year, when you do that, they're the feature snippet, and it's been a huge traffic driver. It's driven revenue, it's driven bookings. So that's all all great. And it's one of those things where I don't see somebody like a TripAdvisor or an Expedia pre- able to produce that type of granular market-specific content, which gives the independent hotel your huge advantage. Right. So that's where we are from a search, uh, organic search perspective. 
anything that a hotelier should be doing first from a paid side to get ready for this change. And then we'll talk after that, we go around the table, we'll talk about the organic side that we might want to change up in our marketing. So I think the, I don't want to circumvent the question, but I think the thing that everybody needs to be focused on right now is sort of getting um, uh, Google ads, right. Uh, with all the performance max changes and GA4, I think that's, that's what to focus on right now because that, you know, time is sort of, of, of the essence here. Um, I have to go back again to, to if, if Google's goal is to improve search intent, um, I would, I would look at, um, conceivably even, you know, um, once, once we get a rollout and once we understand the lay of the land, there might be opportunities to target higher volume terms and go more broad match. If we are trusting Google to understand what the, uh, what the, the searcher wants, um, and they've qualified somebody who, who's, you know, Googling Myrtle Beach hotels to a certain, you know, I need certain amenities or I want to be in a certain area of town. And you catch that ad view because you're on a broad match for Myrtle Beach hotels. I think that's a pretty exciting, um, opportunity. And so, um, I think ultimately I know you're, you're going to test for your clients. We're going to do for ours as well. Um, and just, just find out what. You know, where, where are the new opportunities? Um, it's really going to roll out in real time. So we have to be ready to uh, be pretty nimble, I think, as, as the SERP starts to change. Okay. Jeremy, any thoughts from your perspective on the paid side? Yeah, I'd say, you know, performance max is going to be big and continuing to monitor those insights reports that Google provides. You know, they're not the most transparent, but I mean, we can still gain some um, insight into those whenever we have them. And yeah, I mean, you know, I know, I know in the past, a lot of search marketers have probably been super hesitant with broad match, but I mean, it's the way Google's moving. I mean, that might be the way that we have to start testing our ads again is, is uh, bidding on more broad match type terms and seeing how, you know, where those, where new opportunities are. Um, you know, where, when our ads are showing or, um, and what people are searching for. And if those make sense for us to actually bid on and, and create, you know, our own, um, campaign sets to target those types of keywords. So we've always been hesitant to blindly accept Google recommendations, any, any type of paid campaign, but now that they're AI and Bard or Magi, whatever they end up calling this you know, entity behind the scenes. Are we going to be more forced into that to kind of put our hands back and we manage the broad strategy and then let Google do the the minute details? Um, we are we are a Google premier partner agency and we have a, a pretty close relationship with our Google team. Um, and while I'm I'm reluctant to say that um, uh, we should ever take Google's advice wholeheartedly, um, we we have been encouraged that that is the way that, that the trend is going is google is going to be um more rewarding to folks who take recommendations and i think it probably if again speculation here but if if we are expecting a change on the um by the time your inventory shows your ad shows in their inventory if if they have a better understanding of what somebody's looking for yes you can put a little more faith into their recommendations Google's first goal is always going to be to drive clicks and revenue for Google. 
Um, but there is that underlying um, prime directive of we have to serve a great user experience every time. So um, yes, we very much are in the camp of don't take Google's recommendations unless you talk to us or think through why are they doing that. Um, but I do think that that narrative will change a little bit as time goes on. Um, and the recommendations will probably have more to do with what they're doing on the front end of search um, as those tools become available, that data becomes available to them. Gotcha. Okay. Rob, anything from your side before you move on to the organic things to do? No, I think it's, yeah, as, as Kevin and Jeremy mentioned, I, I will say it's always a little scary when you just kind of put your faith in Google with broad match like that. But I do think, you know, they are getting it better, but it's definitely, I know on the organic side, we've seen this a lot over the years where they, they give us keyword data, then they take it away, then they give us keyword data. Um, so it just, you know, you definitely have to put a lot of blind faith in them. Um, but obviously, yeah, I mean, hopefully, you know, if you have your account and campaign structured well and, and the levers we do have to pull, we, we can take advantage of those, but we are going to lose some of that data that, you know, obviously that as marketers, we always like to have to make those decisions. So, um, but yeah, well, <laughs> I think we've seen some improvements already. So hopefully they uh, will have some more insights and reports to lean on in the future. I think if you think about, you know, what's going on behind the curtain, um, Google has had a relatively similar landscape. The landscape has changed very slowly. Some some years you have big algo shakeups and big SERP shakeups, uh, but, um, but again, if they're going to make big changes, I think we have to be ready for some volatility um, for months and years even of Google dialing back best optimal performance for their inventory uh, and your ad dollars. So. Um, I definitely want to want to, want to uh, take back my statement about do what Google says, but <laughs> I think I think Google will have better tools to to make recommendations. But as advertisers, as, as marketers, you have to look at your data and just see what's what's right for your business and and what changes day to day because um, they they're they've been you know oscillating very little and now they're going to make big changes and you're going to see big big shifts in. The algorithm, not just organically, paid paid as well. Uh, they're targeting, um, so be, yeah, be ready for a little bit of a shakeup with this. Interesting. So that's very foreboding. So, okay, so we figure out what we want to do from a a paid side. It sounds like there's gonna be a lot of algo changes that are gonna impact the organic side. So let's completely shift. Pretend everything was free back in the good old days of Google. What do I need to do as an independent hotelier to not get crushed? if the algorithm is a complete shakeup like it was like a decade or so where everything was turned on its head? Well, I think, you know, you've got a level playing field to a certain degree. Um, if it's, if the SERP changes that, uh, such that it's showing fewer results for a particular type of query, uh, then it's going to affect your competitors just the same as it's going to affect you. Um, so I think the fundamentals of SEO don't change. I think authority are important. I think your, um, uh, you know, the size of your business, the size of your brand, um, the trust that's in your brand is going to remain an asset if you have that asset. Uh, it's something we need to continue to build if you don't. And so you build that um, in the, all the same ways that you build up your SEO channel now, which is through content, not just you know blog articles, but you know 
um, with PR, uh, social, organic social, um, uh, make sure that you're, you're being talked about, liked, uh, clicked on, uh, your posts are shared. Uh, you, have to write, you have to write great content. You have to produce great video content, um, I think is also going to be more uh, relevant um, as it's, you know, the trend has been um, uh, in, in recent years. So um, I don't know that the strategy changes in terms of, oh, you need to change the length of your meta descriptions and things like that. That, you know, there, there certainly will be um, things that we'll discover like that. But I think the, uh, the fundamentals of, of SEO will stay the same. It may just be that we have to sort of recalibrate or, or change our optics on how we read SEO reports um, in terms of what's qualified traffic, what, you know, uh, we, we um, I say are more in the e-commerce space. And so it's very simple calculation. I got X visitors and Y revenue. Um, and it's, you know, most of our clients, it's just short consideration window. If I'm going to buy a sweater, I'm probably going to buy a sweater on that session. If I'm going to buy a trip to Myrtle Beach, you know, it might be several weeks. So um, I think that, uh, yeah, uh, looking at reporting and, and certainly rankings, there'll be a lot of changes, but um, we should have lots of time to adjust to that. Got it. Jeremy, yeah, uh, we're good. Good, Robert. Uh, I was going to say, I think, you know, really trying to focus when you, your content on what's helpful to your customers, right? Whether it's existing or new customers. So trying to figure out what you can provide to help them. So whether that's, you know, if you're, you know, shopping for an item, what kind of questions are people searching for that they need help with to make that decision? Or in the hotel space, like what types of questions are people asking for? They're going to book in Las Vegas. So don't focus so much on Las Vegas hotels, but you know, what makes your hotel different? Are there different, you know, amenities or features available that you want to highlight? Um, but also just trying to understand when somebody does book a Las Vegas hotel, where, what kind of information are they trying to digest ahead of time before they ultimately make that booking decision? So at some point during that, that uh, search process, hopefully, you know, you can surface in front of them. But I definitely would say really, and, and again, this is, you know, what we've been preaching to our clients for years is, you know, focus on things that are helpful for your customers ultimately, and then try to provide really good content. I think, you know, anything you search, there's going to be dozens or hundreds or thousands of articles on that, that search term. So try to, you know, give a little bit unique perspective. Like I mentioned with that helpful content update, like what's, what's different about your hotel or your product or, you know, so, something that you hear from your customers that they, Hey, I really, you know, uh, book with you guys because of this, like what, what really stands out, I guess, that you can share with your audience. But to me, it's still, you know, focus on your users and the best quality you can provide at the end of the day. Yeah. Awesome. I, I was going to say to go off with uh, Robert and, you know, being unique, I think is going to be really big. Um, you know, not just, looking at what your competitor is doing and they have a list of 10 things and then you just make a list of 11 things to make <laughs> yeah. it better than them. I think it's going to be making it um, a unique piece or you're going to need to um, provide, I mean, essentially just going off of what, what, what Robert and Ken have been saying, you know, it, it needs to be helpful. It needs to be um, different. It needs, you know, maybe different types of media, you know, more video, more visual, more infographics and things like that are going to be, um, beneficial to um, hotels and you know, 
maybe other industries. Um, but yeah, I, I think being unique is going to be huge, you know, providing the answers to questions, making sure that you're uh, adding structured data or schema markup to your questions. Um, you know, I, obviously we don't know how that would affect Magi right now, but it, it could. Um, but it's just best practice always include that, um, that type of markup on your and uh, FAQs and things like that. Um, but yeah, just making your content as different as it can be and as helpful and as valuable as can be. Um, yeah, I mean, I know we talked briefly about TripAdvisor not being able to make a good article about things to do on New Year's Eve. It's just going to look like a really bare looking list. And that's usually what they always look like. And those articles are the type of articles that typically do rank really well. Um, because that's all that exists until we find it and, or you know, whoever finds it and writes something better um, that you know, it's actually unique and different. Yeah. So, so Jeremy, you had mentioned integrating different types of content, video and whatnot. Uh, we're already seeing that in Google's mobile results and how they've kind of changed it up to, you know, ads, a little bit of organic, a bunch of more tiled type layouts with reels and things like that. Looking at it, it's already mid 2023, looking at our 2024 client budgets and content calendar strategy. Do we need to shift up that written content and focus more on your other medium? Um, I mean, I think if there's, I think there's a little more research to be done. You know, if those types of keywords are driving traffic on like YouTube searches, um, no, I, it, I think it also depends on, you know, if you search that keyword in Google, a specific keyword that you want to are going to create content about, does it produce video results? Um, no, that's another thing to take into consideration. I think it's all really going to be dependent on the type of content that you're planning on writing about or creating. Very good. Well, there's a whole bunch to dive into here. Uh, usually what we end up doing is do the, the news first and then dive into the topic. I was too excited and I actually dove right into the main <laughs> topic. So, <laughs> uh, But before we leave this, any parting words to the listeners about the about project magi and google's algo changes don't write any content that a robot can write and a robot can write lots of different content that it aggregates from different data sources focus on quality content subjective content um and and add something that comes from your brand's voice uh your brand's authority and understanding of your subject matter Maybe it's your location. Maybe it's a particular topic. Focus on that. AI can't beat that. And so Google won't block your content from being seen because they've got an easier answer for you. I love that. It's a good piece of advice. Yeah, I was, I was going to basically uh, say that same thing. You know, one example is uh, I like to use is, you know, write an article on how to boil an egg, right? There's a million articles on that. The answer is essentially always the same, whether it's three minutes, four, like there's all, you know, different uh, thoughts on how to do it properly, but, you know, super easy topic. I think things like that are what you're going to see go first, right? That's what would be at risk. If you're somebody that ranks number one today for how to boil an egg, I would be very worried that, you know, that's where those chat GBT or BARD or, or Project Magi, if, if that's what it is, is going to immediately replace. So things that are in the quick answer, that's very instant to to give you the answer for, but also probably doesn't drive a lot of traffic anyways. Cause you know, if you are trying to search how to boil an egg, it gives you the answer already. So you may click through the article and, and read further, but 
at the moment you've at best been getting that site link that some people click on, but it's already given the answer anyway. So I, I really think that's the type of content I would not advise going towards. It's things that a quick answer, a couple sentences would be, that's all the customer or the, the user would wanna uh, read and never learn more. So uh, that, that would certainly be my thought is again, kind of mirror, mirror what Ken said there, focus on quality, unique perspective, like we've been talking about. And uh, yeah, if it's if it's something that you think chat could answer pretty quickly, maybe steer clear of. And, and, the, and the, the truth of the matter is, Suve is the best way to boil an egg anyway. So <laughs> once you know that, you don't need to Google it anymore. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, perfect. Well, uh, I think that's, that's fantastic. You guys gave a, a ton of information. Thank you so much for that. So, so one of the things that I got roped into doing years ago on the podcast is I have to sing a stupid little song for our newsaroos. So you guys get to choose the theme or the genre of the song today. The, the genre of the song, could you do like uh, folk music? Ooh, I like that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I gotta think about this for a second. Country? If you well, no, I, I like the kind of like little bit like new grass, like the you know, new bluegrass type stuff. Yeah. You know, kind of a, I like, uh, let's see. With hotel marketing that can I lose? Now it's time for your news ruse. I, I, I try. I don't know how hard it how, how good it is that. <laughs> so let's dive into the news item today. It's a pretty good one. I'm gonna go ahead and pop this up on my other screen here and read it to you guys. Uh, it comes to us from Yahoo Finance, and the headline is Expedia asked Google to crack down on bait and switch hotel rates. Anybody in the hotel space knows exactly what this article is about just by reading the headline, because if you are participating in Meta at all, or you're simply frustrated with the results that are shown when your property appears on Meta, you'll see there's always a mismatch between your property saying it is worth, or it's going for $100 a night, and Agoda, which is a, one of the leading problem children in this space, has your property for $65 a night. You click through and you find out that it's actually not $65 because there's this Agoda fee, there's a cancellation fee, there's a resort fee, all these things that end up bringing it either into parity or the, the low rate originally looks like now it becomes a much higher rate. So it, what this article goes into detail about is you know, during the last Google session for, for travel, Expedia pulled Google aside and said, you guys got to help us here. You know, we're getting, and now they're saying they're getting crushed from the independent hotels perspective. Independent hoteliers are saying, no, we're getting crushed from the Expedia perspective. So it becomes a tit for tat type thing. But it's a, it's an interesting conversation. Google does have the ability to look into it and try to better police that rate policy because price accuracy is a major factor from a meta perspective. Uh, Really good article just came out on the 17th, which is the day we're actually recording this episode today. Uh, Jeremy, you you live and breathe meta, you know, for us here at Travel Boom. What do, what do you take away from this? It sounds like Google just wants as much commission as possible. That's the first thing I thought of. And I know that I'm sure that it was just something that may have slipped through the cracks um, of Google's you know policies or bidding policies, but... Um, you know, depending on the bidding strategy you're using for hotel ads, I mean, the commission-based model, if someone's going to select the lower-priced um, listing and then 
they have no idea that they're that they're actually getting a higher price and they're still just going to book through it. I mean, Google is going to get a higher commission out of that. I was really yeah. surprised to hear about this problem because on the e-commerce side, Google is extremely good at identifying discrepancies between a listed price and then you go to the website and it's a different price. We have uh, folks that we work with. Um, as a matter of fact, we were talking to a, a, a company last week that sells gold bullion and the price of gold changes throughout the day. So if your price that you have in Google Shopping or in your feed is different than what they get to you, uh, when they when they get to the page, Google will instantly disapprove your ad. It's gone, and so it's incredibly complex. There there are ways to to deal with that. You can change the way that you update your pricing, but that's not relevant. The 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 again, I just was very surprised to find that Google let that happen because on e-commerce you cannot get around that. There are there are hacks. Uh, one of the things Peter was mentioning to you is that um, we have a client, for example, that sells um, decanter sets. Very nice, you know, glass decanter sets, crystal decanter sets, and theirs might be listed at one hundred and fifty dollars. But then they have a competitor that, in the shopping ad, will say fifty bucks, and so you click through and you go, "Great, it's only fifty. But now you have to add two glasses or four glasses, and and it's not a set until you do, and then the price becomes one hundred and fifty dollars. And um, the uh, Google one hundred percent has the technology to to make sure that your ad lines up with what's displaying on your landing page. Um, so I would agree yeah. with this assessment. There's something a little bit nefarious going on there. Well, you know, it's it's been one of those battles for years because a lot of times the OTAs, Expedia, Booking, whoever that might be, has always asked for the the best unrestricted rate, more or less. You know, packages are a little bit different. But then what you started to have happening was you'd have a low rate, but then you'd have a resort fee. Or the the APIs may pass through the rate, but some properties are including taxes and fees. Other properties aren't. Some might say, well, there's a three-night package, so therefore it's a cheaper three-night package. Divide that by three. Each night is now a lower rate. And there's a lot of nuances for literally the same room based on the OTA or the direct price that it's booking through. But it, it's a real problem. It's, it's frustrating from a consumer's perspective. And if we frustrate our customers while they're trying to shop for our property, that's the first experience that they get. So if they find out that I overbooked by booking or overpaid by booking direct, they're coming to our property already with the mindset, hey, these guys might be trying to screw me. I'm not going to have that same great experience. So it's going to come down to the hoteliers to do the right thing and make sure that at least the book direct rate is completely transparent straightforward and there's no you know you know sneaky games being played i know that google has a system or has in the past of, of flagging um instances that they catch and then there's some subjective sort of audit process and so i would imagine there's there's a way for them also to do that um especially if you know a lot of these hotels have ga connected and they can see the final mm -hmm. price versus again what was advertised um yeah, I'm, I'm sure it is complex, but it's, um, uh, it's a big problem. And fortunately, in e-commerce, they've, they've sort of mostly corrected that. Mm -hmm. Well, Jeremy, I mean, t walk us through like with the price accuracy report that we have to, to deal with on our side too. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly complex. Um, you know, we typically pull them 
monthly usually. And, you know, we try to get back and forth with our, you know, our rate providers and make sure that everything is, you know, um, is accurate is, you know, we can, as, as much as we can say, we can provide that, Hey, we like these, like our price accuracy is our scores are not great. I mean, you know, we, can you do what you can to fix this? And usually it gets fixed. Sometimes it kind of just stays the same. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's tough getting all that kind of, uh, um, settled out or just, I mean, really fixed. I mean, you're never really always going to completely fix it. I mean, something's always going to come up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, I think the other thing too is I think this stuff is going to be worked out, you know, over time, Google's getting better. Expedia is obviously, you know, pounding on their door to get this fixed. But even beyond that, uh, it was recently introduced to Congress, which is the Junk Fee Prevention Act. I think it was Blumenthal out of uh, maybe Connecticut. I think that's where he's out of. But uh, anyway, he, he put forth this legislation that basically says you can't have a $59 hotel rate and a $150 resort fee that the user doesn't know about until afterward, that it has to be some type of parity in that shopping process so you don't have that bait and switch mentality. And hopefully that will trickle down to property mindset to make their pricing, you know, more even across the board. And, you know, it could be a problem that could eventually go away, but it's, it's good to see that least Expedia who's typically not been on the independent hotel, your side is, you know, bringing up a topic that could be helpful to everybody. Well, there we go. I, that was a phenomenal episode. I really, really, really appreciate you guys coming on and telling us about, uh, about the Magi update and what Google's working on. Uh, if you want the show notes for today's show, go ahead and t- check out travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, and then just click on episode 237. That's going to have a you know, great content that both Ken and Rob had put together, as well as some specific checkbox items that you can take care of to make sure that your property is ready for, for any changes that Google has coming down the pipe. And the best thing I think about all the things that we talked about today in terms of action items, even if Google doesn't change something, putting these tools in place and putting these strategies in place is going to make your property more uh, indexed by search engines and create a position where you have a better ROAS than, than you may have previously had in your campaigns. Uh, with that being said, Ken, Rob, tell us all about uh, how we can find out more about 802. Oh, Pete, well, thank you first uh, so much for having us on. We really appreciate it. And Jeremy, you as well. Um, so we are at uh, 802, spelled out, E-I-G-H-T-O-H-T-W-O.com. Um, we are very much a search marketing agency. We focus primarily on, on uh, retail uh, and e-commerce, uh, but we do branch out into other areas. So um, we've got a blog there. Please check us out and find us on LinkedIn. And uh, we'd love to chat with anybody that's interested. All right. Uh... Why 802? That's a weird name. Where'd that come from? <laughs> so uh, the, the area code for Vermont, where we have our roots uh, going back 15 years, uh, the Orvis company was our first client, and we were based out of 802 when Rob and I first got together. Um, okay. And so that's uh, that stuck with us, even though we're all scattered in different states now. Got it. Yeah, Perfect. I, I still, uh, I'm up in Massachusetts, so I'm, I'm close to Vermont still, but, but you know, can move down for some warmer weather. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. With everybody moving to remote work, it makes uh, company names based on zip code very difficult. Yes. (laughs) Well, good deal. Uh, Jeremy, if they want to keep up with you, where can they do so? Uh, LinkedIn at Jeremy Rizuk. All right. And uh, 
Yeah, same thing for me. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn or that's usually the best place, but Pete DeMeo, P-E-T-E dot D-I-M-A-I-O. And like I said, we can find us all at travelboommarketing.com for show notes, tips, tricks, and everything else you need to make your hotel's marketing much more effective. Travel Boom is out. Uh-huh.